Well, good morning, church. Really glad to be with you this morning. As we get started today, I did want to share some really good news with us as a community for our church. We've been uh, praying for the past several weeks about uh, Dallas May and Mary Gatucha as they've been trying to go to Zimbabwe. And uh, Mary, unfortunately, missed out on the Zimbabwe trip. She didn't have her passport. But the good news is she's now received her passport and uh, she's planning on going to visit her family in Kenya uh, for the first time in several years. And uh, we're so grateful for that. And so we want you to join with us in celebrating with Mary as she's going to be able to go and uh, spend some time seeing her family back in Kenya uh, soon. And so uh, if you pick up a a kid a little bit later on from Mary in the nursery, uh, make sure that you congratulate her and wish her well as she gets to go and spend time visiting her family. Well, as I said, I'm glad that you're here today. Thank you so much for joining us for worship. Uh, The past couple weeks, we've been in a sermon series called Family Matters, and we've been talking about what it means to be part of a spiritual family and how the things that we do when we're together in worship, whether that's through prayer, uh, whether that's through the time that we spend in community, how important that is in forming us and shaping us as a people. So last week, John Mark talked to us about what it means to be a, a community of people that passes faith from one generation to the next and this, uh, this week, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, something that's somewhat related, uh, although a little bit different, uh, from a, a different angle. We're going to be talking about leadership this week. And uh, usually in, in our world today, what, uh, what people mean when they talk about leadership is, is how you can engage more and more people and how you can reach more and more people. And that's certainly part of what our goal is as a church, is we want to engage people with the gospel. We want to, to reach people with the gospel, more and more people. But uh, today, we're going to be talking about leadership, and we're going to take it from uh, a little bit different of an angle. We're going to talk about it more in terms of how we are successful as followers, because each of us, we really know the truth. The truth is that none of us are truly the leader of this thing called church. Uh, I'm not the leader. Uh, the elders are not the leader. We know that truly, when we come together as believers in Christ, that the true leader of the church is Jesus. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we really dive into that, before we really talk about that, I do want to mention that uh, this sermon series just has two weeks left in it, uh, today included. Uh, so today we'll talk a little bit about this, and next week we'll, we'll conclude this series. And then I'm really excited because the week after that, John, Mark, and I are going to be talking about the book of Ephesians together. Uh, we're going to we'll spend some time, spend about six weeks going through the book of Ephesians. And uh, I encourage you, uh, in, in the weeks leading up to this, if you would like to read that book with us, uh, we would love for you to, to read that. Uh, read it in the weeks leading up to this series. Come and tell us what, the, what things are striking you as important out of that book, because uh, this is going to be a great series. Ephesians is such a wonderful, powerful letter to a community of Christians living uh, at that time, and it's a powerful letter for us today as well. But uh, as I said, today we're going to talk about leadership and what it means to be followers of Jesus. And the beauty uh, of this practice, the beauty of leadership, is that we have set up uh, church as, as an organization, as a structure, and a, and a way for us to, to help one another out. That's the purpose of leadership, isn't it? Uh, the purpose of a leader is to help somebody else, is to help lead them, to guide them, to show them part of the way. And, and so when we talk about leadership, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to help one another as we journey through faith together, as we journey through life as a community here in this place at this time, as a church, as a fellowship. We're trying to help one another, to guide one another, to, to be there for one another. As I got to thinking about leadership, uh, I did think about uh, a couple of things in my life, a couple of things that uh, recently I've been struck by, things that I think uh, this morning will bless us and will will be a joy for us. This past year, my wife, Rebecca, uh, taught across the street at our preschool, at our childhood development center. And uh, Rebecca had had been teaching there for several years. And this year, she had the, the joy and privilege of getting to teach 
10 five-year-old students. Uh, they were in a pre-K class getting ready for next year going into kindergarten. And, and I say that it was a joy and a privilege for Rebecca. And I say that because it's now the month of June, which means that it's summer vacation. Uh, if I had told you this uh, about a month or two ago, I would not have used the words joy or privilege because uh, she was right in the midst of the school year and the difficulty that that can be sometimes. But now that now that it's summer break, I can say that it was a joy and a privilege. And, and I'm going to brag on myself for just a minute here because, uh, you know, as great as it is for, for Rebecca to, to teach these kids and for, for her to, get, to interact with them, you know, I, I, I think that I did something really powerful this past year. Uh, I did something that was just such a blessing for these kids. Uh, I decided uh, at the start of this school year that I was going to spend a few minutes every day with those kids and with their parents as they were dropped off at school. And I thought that this was going to be a great way for me to to get to know them, get to meet them, get to be there, uh, be a visible presence for them. And and so I, I just want to brag on myself for, for just a second because how great uh, how great of a decision that was. Now, I tell you it was a great decision, but uh, my wife, Rebecca, she would not say it was a great decision. Uh, she would not want you to applaud me for this uh, because what she would say is that during those few minutes every day, she didn't have 10 five-year-old students. She had 11 five-year-old students, and one of them happened to be really big. Uh, one of them, she said, was me. Uh, and she said I would spend about 10 minutes over there uh, spending time with the kids, playing with them, laughing with them. Uh, and then I would leave, uh, and she would have to have uh, th- these kids for the rest of the day. Uh, and they'd be all riled up and uh, think how funny it was that I, that I was there spending time with them, doing the things that they were doing. And, and one of the things, uh, as funny as that is, one of the things that I was reminded of during my, my few, uh, few minutes with them every day was something that many of us probably remember from our childhoods, uh, something that we all had to learn. It was a game or, or a practice called follow the leader. Who here remembers uh, learning about following the leader or, or, or doing something like that in their classes as children? Yeah, a lot of us. This is something that, that kids have to learn from a very early age. And in Miss Rebecca's class, one of the things that they would do every day is they would have a new student be the line leader. Uh, that, that meant that this student got to be at the head of the line. They got to lead their uh, class to Miss Shaleen's uh, music class or, or to chapel with Ruth Ann. Uh, and so every day. That student, that particular student, was the line leader. And then there was also another position called the caboose. And the job of the caboose was to be at the very end of the line and make sure that all the students who were in front of them were staying in line and that they got to the place that they were meant to go. Now, uh, as, as you think about this practice, this idea of following the leader, it's important to know that none of these students are really leading the way. If you think about uh, a five-year-old student leading the way to uh, Ruth Ann's chapel, chances are uh, if that five-year-old was leading the way, they wouldn't get there on time uh, or they wouldn't get there the way that they're supposed to go. Uh, they, they might get to the playground. They might, they might know how to get there uh, because they, they want to go outside and play. But uh, it, it's hard to imagine that, that each day that they would get to where they needed to go on time uh, and in the right kind of way. And the truth is that Rebecca, Miss Rebecca, their teacher, was truly leading the way because she would actually stand at the front of the line in front of the line leader and she would walk backwards watching her class uh, walk backwards to and from the places that they needed to go throughout the day. So the truth is even though there was a line leader and even though there was caboose, Miss Rebecca was the one who was really leading the way. And I thought what a great metaphor that is for what it means to be a leader in the church today because God's looking down on us, right? Uh, God looks out among us and God sees this group of five-year-olds leading, trying to lead the way to God's kingdom. And the truth is that God is really the one leading and and making sure that we get to the right place at the right time. Uh, But God includes us in this responsibility. God helps walk beside us, helps us to feel like we are are part of this movement together. Uh, 
You know, I heard another, uh, another story about a comedian during one of his uh, stand-up uh, uh, bits that he, he used this, this example from his own experience uh, of a similar idea, uh, that when he was 10 years old, uh, his parents would go on a date and, and they'd, they'd call in a babysitter and have this babysitter come. And at the time, he thought, uh, he would often remember that the babysitter was like 18 years old. You know, this, this adult woman who'd come and, and, and stay with him, she was, she was old enough to drive and do all these kinds of different things that he couldn't do as a 10-year-old. Uh, and, and that's what he remembered. But recently, he went back and talked to his parents about the babysitter and just, you know, reminding uh, of his childhood, reminding himself of stories. And the babysitter came up. And when he brought up the babysitter, they said, oh, yeah, it's such and such person who now that he's an adult, he can look back and see that she's only three years older than him, which means that when he was 10 years old, she was 13. And the way that he talks about this in his stand-up is to say, what could a 13-year-old do better than a 10-year-old? Maybe the only thing that she could do would be to dial 911 a little bit faster, right? And another great metaphor for what it is to be a leader in the kingdom of heaven is that we are not the adults in this situation. Uh, maybe some of us are 13. Maybe some of us are 10. Maybe some of us can dial 911 a little bit faster than the others. But truly, what the, what the truth is, is that God is the one leading us. One more story. I was reminded of this this past week uh, as I spent time uh, serving as a counselor at a camp with, uh, with uh, elementary age students. Uh, we had students uh, uh, who were six years old, students all the way up to age 11, uh, anywhere in that mix. And uh, my particular campers, I had two campers who were each nine years old. And I was reminded of this this past week because there were certain moments during the week that, that we might ask them to lead us to certain activities. And then we might ask them to, to take responsibility and, and lead the group uh, to go to a certain place. And several times throughout the week, these, uh, these nine-year-olds, they would lead us through the, through the jungle, you know, through the, through the woods, uh, places where somebody like me, an adult who's a little bit taller than a nine-year-old, can't quite follow, can't quite grow, uh, can't quite go. And so there'd be times that, uh, that they would try to lead us over these stepping stones in the middle of a river. Uh, and I was like, I'm not going that way. I, I know that I'll fall uh, and, I, and I'm going to end up hurting myself. And so I had to go around the long way, even though they're, they're running across these stepping stones in the water and all these kinds of different things. Because the truth that we all know is that God is the one leading us. That even in moments when we feel like we are in the lead, we don't always make the best decisions. We don't always lead in ways that others can follow us. And yet the beauty of it is that God includes us in it anyways. That God invites us to help lead, to help be a part of his church, to help be a part of the group of people who are showing the world what it means to be followers of Jesus. This is one of the beauties of what the church is meant to be. The church is a group of people who ultimately follow Jesus, who ultimately follow God, but who God has invited to come along and to help lead the way as well. This is a pretty amazing thing. And in fact, it's the story that we see throughout Scripture as well. And when you think uh, through the story of Scripture, we're going to run through uh, a lot of different stories very quickly just to give you an example of how this is the story over and over and over again of how God includes us in helping to lead, even when we make poor decisions, even when we make bad choices. So right at the beginning of the story, you have the story of Adam and Eve, right? The story, God has created the world, and you get this story of, of Adam and Eve. And God gives them one instruction, to trust him to not eat from this one tree, but instead to trust that God knows what's best for them. And what do they do? They eat from that one tree because they think to themselves, maybe we can make a better decision than God can. Maybe we can, can choose something for ourselves that God didn't mean for us to, uh, to have, that, that God thought that he knew better than we do. Maybe we actually know better than God does. They end up messing it up, but God invites them into 
this story. He, he leads with them rather than leaving them out of the story. And then a few chapters later, we hear about another opportunity that God uses somebody in his creation to help lead, to give an opportunity to walk beside rather than just doing something for them. We hear about Abram. Abram is, is uh, this, this guy who he kind of knows where he is in life. He, he's this 80-year-old guy, 90-year-old guy at the time that we encounter him in, in the story. And God tells Abram that you're going to have a family with countless descendants, with, with many sons and daughters, with people for generations to come, uh, that you're going to be a great nation. And Abram kind of knows biology. He kind of knows the situation that he's in. He kind of knows he's missed his chance. And so Abram and his wife, Sarah, they come up with this plan. They're going to do something uh, to help God because they think, well, you know, if God really wants this, then, then we probably need to do this other thing. Uh, and even though it's not what God had told them to do, even though they're kind of guessing at what God might have meant, uh, they decide to do this uh, for Abram to have a child with another woman. And at the time, they think it's God's plan. But when God comes back to them, they find out that they've really actually missed it. They've messed it up. And yet God is still willing to work with them and through them to help lead uh, this story that God has, has given to us. And then there's another story that we can think of, another story we can talk about, the story of Moses. Moses is the, the, the one figure that you would look to. If you were uh, an Israelite, if you were a Jew, you would look to Moses. And that would be the person that you would say, that's the ultimate leader in Israel's history. He's the one who, who helps take them out of, uh, out of Egypt during the Exodus. Uh, the, the most important story in the foundation of who they are as a people, it's Moses. And Moses is leading them out of Egypt, out of slavery, and he's working side by side with God. Uh, Moses is right in step with God. And yet, over and over again throughout the story of Moses, we see Moses getting frustrated and Moses doing things different than what God had intended. And ultimately, it leads to Moses being left out of the promised land. Over and over again throughout scripture, we can look at different examples of people, uh, even people like David, this king who comes up on the scene, who's called a man after God's own heart, who makes terrible decisions, and yet God still is committed to working with and through us. God trusts the people that he places in, in certain positions to help lead. God wants us to work with him. God wants to work beside us. And if you think about the stories that we tell today, if you think about you know, a movie or a book that, that you, you hear recently today, there's not many stories out there that are like this, of this all-powerful being who wants to work with us. Most of the stories today are about these all-powerful beings who think they know best, you know, who think they know what will be best for us. And so they, they decide to put their plan into action regardless of the outcomes, regardless of what it means for us. Uh, and a lot of times it, it, they're hoping that it will cause the greatest effect for the, for the most people. You know, it'll be a positive outcome for the most people possible. But they do this on their own, without us. If you think of a story with an all-powerful being who works with us, who partners with us, who teams up with us, the stories of that are pretty few and far between. But God works this way. God wants to partner with us in leadership. God wants us to be involved. In fact, uh, if, we, if we fast forward to, into the New Testament, uh, a couple of examples that I want to talk about today uh, that I want us to turn to. The first is in Luke chapter 6. If you've got a Bible, feel free to turn over to Luke chapter 6 because this is how Jesus begins his ministry. Uh, God has set an example. God wants to work with people, and Jesus replicates that. Jesus does the same thing. Jesus wants to work alongside people, and so he calls disciples. He calls 12 guys to come and follow him, to become like him because he knows that at some point it's not going to be about him anymore. 
uh, ultimately, uh, his teaching, uh, what he wants for them, uh, that's, that's what he wants them to carry on, to, for them to replicate, for them to find ways to, to continue the story, uh, to, to tell what he's done, to tell his teachings. And so he calls these disciples because he knows someday he's going to have to pass it to them, that they're next in line. And so he begins his ministry by calling these guys. And then Luke uh, records in, in the sermon, uh, Luke's events, uh, the way that Luke records the Sermon on the Mount uh, is often called the Sermon on the Plain. Uh, and they say that because perhaps Jesus gave this sermon in, in different places at different times. And so Luke's sermon is a little bit different than Matthew's. And so they often call it the Sermon on the Plain. And, and this is what Jesus says to them about, about leadership in the Sermon on the Plain. Uh, this is Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 39. Jesus told them a riddle. A blind person can't lead another blind person, right? Won't they both fall into a ditch? For disciples aren't greater than their teacher, but whoever is fully prepared will be like their teacher. Why do you see the splinter in your brother's or sister's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother or sister, brother, sister, let me take the splinter out of your eye, when you don't see the log in your own eye? You deceive yourselves. First take the log out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother or sister's eye. He's right. Jesus is exactly right. How can a blind person lead a blind person? That's like asking a a five-year-old to lead the way. That's like asking a 13-year-old to to babysit a 10-year-old. That's like asking a nine-year-old to lead the way uh, through the camp, through the woods, to get to the next place. Jesus says, when you follow, you have to see clearly where you're going. And in order to see clearly where you're going, you need to know the story of Jesus. You need to know what it means to be a follower of Christ. Uh, Jesus, over and over again, is having to reteach his disciples this lesson. Uh, there's that one time, perhaps you remember that one, that one time, James and John come to Jesus, two of his disciples. They come to Jesus and they say, when you sit on the throne, we want to sit on your right hand and your left hand. We want to be the go-to guys uh, when you come into power. And Jesus has to remind James and John, I'm not here to sit on a throne. I have come to serve you instead. And you should serve as well. Or there's another time. Maybe you remember the, the other time when Peter, uh, when Jesus has just finished explaining that he's going to have to die, uh, that he's going he's gonna to go to the cross and, and, and die uh, for, the, for their sake, for our sake. Jesus explains this to his disciples, and Peter pulls him off to the side and says, Jesus, surely that's not going to be what's happening. You're going you're gonna to become king. You're not going to die. And Jesus has to remind Peter, that's not my plan, Peter. That's Satan's. He, he calls Peter Satan uh, as if to say, hey, what you're saying right now, that's Satan's idea. That's not mine. Don't, don't pass that around because that's not what leadership looks like. What leadership looks like is to serve others, is to work with God, to help tra- teach and train and equip uh, others to, to, to join in the movement of God in the world. When you think about the early church, the early church had to learn this lesson over and over again. Uh, in the book of Acts and in the early letters that, that Paul and others wrote to the churches at the time, they are having to learn what it means to be leaders and followers all the time because they are constantly dealing with what it means, uh, what the resurrection means. With It's still fresh for them, and so they're still trying to figure it all out. And so Paul, in one place, he writes uh, to a couple of guys, Timothy and Titus, these pastoral letters, teaching them, uh, instructing them what it means for them to lead. And so the, the other scripture that I want us to look at this morning comes from 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you've got a Bible, turn over there, because in this book, Paul is going to write to Timothy, explaining to him, teaching him, instructing him what it means to be a leader. And so he writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting right in the middle of verse 7. He says these words. Train yourself for a holy life. Now, that verse right there, that little 
sentence, we could spend so much time talking about that. What does it mean to train ourselves for a holy life? Maybe that's something that you can take home and, and chew on today, is what does it mean to train yourself for a holy life? But Paul continues, he says, while physical training has some value, training in holy living is useful for everything. It has promise for this life now and for the life to come. This saying is reliable and deserves complete acceptance. We work and struggle for everything. For this, our hope is set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially for those who believe. Command these things. Teach them. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Instead, set an example for the believers through your speech, behavior, your love, faith, and by being sexually pure. Until I arrive, pay attention to public reading, preaching, and teaching. Don't neglect the spiritual gift that in you that was given through prophecy when the elders laid hands on you. Practice these things and live by them so that your progress will be visible to all. Focus on working on your own development and on what you teach. If you do this, you will save yourself and those who hear you. Paul counsels Timothy to participate in leading by learning what it means to follow Jesus consistently. Once Timothy is able to do this, once he continues to, to show others, the success of his ministry will be evident from the, the kind of person that he's become. It's going to be really helpful for Timothy uh, because he finds himself in this situation where uh, he's got this church, these congregations of people who are still trying to learn what it means to be Christians, who are, who are possibly encountering other teachings, uh, other uh, teachers who are trying to influence them and, and bring them into their way of thinking. But Timothy is supposed to show them the way of Jesus. And so Paul focuses so much not on what Timothy uh, is going to be, uh, what, what doctrine he teaches, uh, not on a theory uh, or an apologetic, but instead on what he does. Because he tells Timothy that to practice living as Christ, to practice this holy life, that's what it means to be a leader. To let his speech, his actions, his love, his faith, and his purity, and if it had existed, probably even his social media, to be in line with the life and teachings of Jesus. For Paul, this is so important. And so Paul wants Timothy's impression, the, the thing that he leaves people with, Paul wants Timothy's impression to look like Jesus. So that when they see Timothy, they see the life of Jesus. That when they look at Timothy, they see who Jesus is. So we've been talking about what it means for us to be a spiritual family, right? We've been talking in this series about family matters and, and how we are a spiritual family. So how is it that we, uh, as a family together, participate in leadership? Uh, and the truth is that we've set up structures. We've set up uh, the church as an organization uh, for, uh, and this is natural in some ways, for, for certain leaders to, to, to rise up and for others to, to follow those leaders. But the truth is, and this is what we began this sermon by saying, and this is probably the most important thing that I can say about leadership today. The truth is, especially when you believe that, uh, that the story of, of Jesus is real, the truth is the number one thing you need to know today is that I'm not the leader and that you are not the leader. It, that the elders are not the leader, uh, that deacons aren't, that, that staff members aren't. Uh, the truth is that there's only one leader, and it's not any of us. Jesus is the leader. And that means that we have to learn what it means to submit to one another. We have to learn what it means to submit to Jesus. We have to learn what it means to, to give our lives, to give our preferences, to give the things that we have in this life over to Christ. And this is a really hard one, by the way, because our, our world around us, is all about how you can gain followers. Notice the, the type of language that, that things like Twitter and Facebook use, uh, followers and friends, because they want you to, to be the person that everybody else sees, to be the person that everybody else is, is paying attention to, to be the person uh, that, that is at the center of it all. But the story of Jesus says you're not at the center of it, Jesus is. And when you put Jesus at the center, so many things fall into line uh, when you keep Christ first and foremost.
So that's the number one thing. Uh, number two, the, the next thing that we need to remember when we talk about leadership in the church is that we should never leave where God lead where God doesn't. Everything that we do, whether it's in raising kids, whether it's in trying to teach others faith, whether uh, it's in what we do in Sunday mornings or, or as individuals out in the world, everything we ought to do should be leading where God does. That we ought to be bathed in prayer, that people look at us like, like when Paul encourages Timothy uh, to look like Jesus, that when people look at us, they see Jesus because we're leading in the same way that God does. And then last, uh, maybe this is something that something else that you can think about as you leave from here. But uh, we need to follow God's style. Did you notice that God has a style? Like God's got style, you know? Uh, like God has a certain way of, of operating in the world. We need to, to follow that style. God is consistently seeking. Over and over again, we see stories uh, and examples of how God is consistently seeking to give a voice to the voiceless. How God is seeking to heal the hurting. To comfort those who have lost, those who are mourning. We have a God who's given us the example, and now we get to follow God's lead. And to be honest, we're going to fail at this. Uh, if you look back at the history of the church, the church often fails at this. But this is the way that God wants us to operate, looking to those that, that others would never spend time looking at, going to those, seeking out those, being open to those coming to us, having opportunities to follow God's style, to seek out the people that, that the world might cast aside, and yet we know God has created God has given value to, and God loves. And that requires us to humble ourselves a lot of the time. That we need to learn what it means to, to consider other people as more important than ourselves. People that, that often aren't considered important, we need to consider them as more important than us. So today is Father's Day. And we want to celebrate the fathers, the father figures, the future fathers that are here in our midst. And, and what a great day for us to get to, to worship and, and be together on a day like this where we get to celebrate one another But today, we ultimately want to give honor and glory to our true parent, to our true father, to God, to God who has shown us what it means to follow, to the God who who has given us an an example uh, and someone that we can follow, because God is our leader through Christ. And so today, may we follow God's lead in everything we do. May we be like Timothy, where people look at us and they see Jesus. May we share the story around us as we seek to help one another, as we seek to join with one another, as we seek to guide one another as a community of believers. May we follow God well. May we lead one another with great grace. Today, we're going to, of course, have time for prayer uh, with some of, the, some of the appointed leaders of this congregation around the room. And so we invite you to do that. Uh, of course, there'll be an opportunity if you'd like to come and speak with me about baptism. But today, as we worship, as we sing these final songs, let's think about what it means to join with one another, to help lead each other, and to follow the example of Jesus in faith. Let's stand and worship together.